let's begin with begin with prayer. Lord, today as we look again at your model for how you want us to pray, we pray that we will not just intellectually know how to pray, but we will find God our Father. Yes, it's in your name. I don't know if I'm That'll do it. There we go. It was me. So we are looking at how to connect with God. Jesus' disciples had asked him, teach us how to pray. They saw that Jesus had a connection with God that they wanted to have. And so he gave them the model of the Lord's Prayer. It's a... our, our little logo that we're using for this series is, is that Lego person plugging in something into a computer. And, yeah, I was just uh, talking with John Higby this morning. He was trying to get his printers to connect to his computers, and it wasn't working. And it's been uh, interesting just over the time that computers have been existed that there's been all kinds of different ways to plug into a computer. And one of the things that people were frustrated with with USB ports, even though it became, it was supposed to be a universal adapter. You can never tell which way was right side up. I said, why couldn't they just make it a circle or a square? And so, you know, the new stuff is like, it doesn't matter which way you plug it in. We want to, we want to get connected easily. But studying prayer sometimes leaves us with more questions than answers. We actually need to get down to praying if we want answers. And so we approach it with these questions. And one of the questions is, well, what do I pray for? If I'm, we know from last week, we want to connect with God, our Father. But then what do I talk to him about? What do I ask him for? I need to be ready with my questions. It's kind of like if you've ever done a job interview, one of the things that we have to be ready for is at the end of the interview, usually they say, do you have any questions for us? And it's good to have a good question. They, they, an interviewer will rate us on how good of a question we ask. It shows that we did some research into them. And so when I approach God the Father, what do I pray for? Our verses today are Matthew chapter 6, 10 and 11. And it simply says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just based off those three little phrases, what can we pray for? The first thing we can pray for is pray for God's control. Your kingdom come. Pray for God's control. Now, in these phrases, the word order is important. In English, we have a word order that's defined. You know, We do our subject, then our verb, and then the uh, object, and, and that's the way our sentences go. In Greek, 
you put the most important thing first, and then and then they go down in less importance. And so the first thing in this one is come. It's actually, if we were to translate literally, we'd say, come kingdom, yours. So come is the most important thing, and it's it's a command. It's active. It's it can mean a couple different things to come from one place to another. You know, to move. It can mean to come into being. Something that hasn't existed now is existing. Or like I said, when we go from one place to another, it already exists here. Now we want it over here. It also can mean to be established. All, all these, all these different meanings can all be wrapped up in this word come. And I think it's all true for God's kingdom. God's kingdom is in one place and we want it here. God's kingdom needs to arise. God's kingdom needs to be established. And so when Jesus says come, in some ways it's even evoking the creation account where God says, let there be come creation. And now he's saying come kingdom. And the kingdom was coming. Jesus said in Matthew uh, 3.2, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying the kingdom is here. It's coming. And in Luke 17.21, Jesus also said, nor will they say, look, it is here or it is there. Talking about the kingdom. For the kingdom of God is in your midst. In your midst, it literally means the kingdom of God is inside of you. So if the kingdom arrived with Jesus and it's within the disciples of Jesus, now what we're praying for is for that flourishing, the establishment, the the growth, the, the rooted growth of the kingdom. It's According to Jesus, it's here and it's inside of us if we believe in him, but it still needs to be more. But what is the kingdom? What's this thing that I have inside of me? It's quite simply the rule of God on the earth. So I can say the kingdom's in me because God rules in me, but God needs to rule in more than just me. And whose kingdom is it? He says it's yours, which is referring back to the previous line of our Father in heaven. It's like, Our Father, the King in heaven, that's the kingdom that's inside of me, that came with Jesus, and that we want it to flourish. This idea of kingdoms arising is not something new in the Bible. Um, I'm going to read you a section from Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, 36 through 45. And it's when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about a statue, and Daniel interprets the dream says, this was the dream. Now we will tell you its interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, the beasts of the field or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand and caused you to rule over them. You are the head of gold. So Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he's the king, the head of gold. But then he says, after you, there will arise another kingdom inferior to yours. 
And then a third kingdom of bronze will rule over all the earth. Then there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, as much as iron crushes and shatters all things, so that like iron that breaks into pieces, it will crush and break these others into pieces. In that you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron in as much as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will not combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. So there's these series of kingdoms. There's the kingdom of the Babylonians and the kingdom of the Medes and Persians and the kingdom of the Greeks and the kingdom of the Romans. Each of these arise and rule the earth. And then verse 44, Daniel tells him some more of the dream. In those days, the kings, the God of heaven, in those days of the kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it itself will endure forever. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. Kingdoms arise. Human kingdoms arise throughout times and who knows what kingdom time we're in now. But uh, he says eventually God's kingdom is going to arise and it will crush every other human kingdom. God will rule. Starting in the heart but rule the whole earth. God's kingdom, God our Father's kingdom, it's the final kingdom, it's the mightiest kingdom on the earth. We have our map up there? Yeah. That's a map of the Oakdale area in 1956. That's the closest map I could find when this church was planted in 1959. Notice there's nothing but farmland Around, I forgot to bring my laser pointer, but I'm going to walk over here. Um, so here's here's Tanner Lake. So our church would be somewhere over here, in the middle of this farm field. Um, this is Lake Elmo uh, Nature Center. So this little part that says Oakdale. That, that was Oakdale proper. All This is called East Oakdale, this area. This little strip is called Oakdale, but Oakdale proper is right here, this little spot. Go, go to the next slide. That little piece, that's this block like behind Target where there's a couple of houses. That was Oakdale. Okay, go back. Go to our next slide again. So all this space, Oak, Oakdale's one block. All the rest is farmland, 1959. And about 25 people, some of whom are children, decide they want to plant a church out here. There's no city of Oakdale. And the question was asked, why do you want to put a church in the middle of nowhere? 
but the members had the idea of let there be. God's kingdom come. Not just a church, but a community. They were looking ahead to the future. Now, we don't need to do the exact same things that they did 60 years ago. Because the community is different. The culture is different. We're not surrounded by a bunch of farmers anymore. But we do need to pray as they did. God, our Father, your kingdom come. He's saying, let your church arise alive and strong here, even though it looks a lot different. It's a good thing. There's more people now for God's kingdom to arise in their hearts. That's what Jesus expects us to do. Acts 1, 5 through 8, Jesus told his disciples, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Lord, is this the time that the kingdom is coming, that you're going to rule on the earth? And Jesus said to them, verse 7, It's not for you to know the times or epochs when the, which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. That means even to Oakdale, even to Woodbury, even to St. Paul, even the, I can't even think of all the places. It says that's a promise that still holds to Jesus' disciples today. God's kingdom comes. It starts in people's hearts and it grows to the whole earth. And the great thing is he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Jesus just didn't promise that in Acts 1. He also promised it in John 16, 8. Jesus said when he, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't just work in movement of God's people, of Jesus' disciples in the church. He's already working in the lives of people who are out there in the community. So they're ready when we share. See, when we pray for the door of opportunity to witness to someone and that someone places saving faith in Jesus, we're, we're praying for God to already be working in their lives before we even open up our mouths. When I, I'm praying for God's kingdom to come, when I pray for that one non-Christian that I'm doing life with, that's your kingdom come. Let's take a moment just of silent prayer, and I want you to pray for one unsaved person that you are doing life with. And then I'll close this. Lord, you know who each of us has contact with every day or regularly. We pray that your Holy Spirit will be convicting their hearts and their minds 
so that the opportunity to share what salvation through Jesus Christ means and how it is life-changing and how it makes us new, the gospel will take root in their lives and that we will see your kingdom come first in the heart of the individual and then throughout our whole community. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, the sender of the spirit. Amen. So we can pray for God's rule on the earth. The second thing that we can pray for is to pray for human choices. Your will be done. Pray for human choices. Again, the word order, the verb comes first. Be done. Now, this one, as 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 the first one was active, it was something we actually had to do. This one is passive. It means that it's not that we don't do God's will. It's that we don't do anything to God's will. I don't pray to make God's will. I don't pray to change God's will. This is praying so that I know God's will so I can do it. God's will is God's will. The will is the thing that's being obeyed. The will is the thing that's being discovered. The will is not being manipulated. And whose is it? Again, he says it's yours. It's God our Father's will. Not my will. Jesus said this in the garden. Not my will, but your will. There's a documentary on Netflix called The Family. I don't know if anybody's seen that. I haven't gotten all the way through it yet. It's interesting. The Family is this religious group. Um, at least they claim to be Christian. I don't know enough about them to say that they are definitely Christian or not. But the documentary written by put together by non-Christians definitely has the idea that this group is trying to push the idea that God takes over the government. That's how they're being portrayed. It's difficult for me to say from the documentary because it's from the perspective of people who are suspicious of them, whether or not this group is, you know, these are people that are in charge of the national prayer breakfast. Just so you know who it is. And it's like, I look at this as a Christian, I say, well, they could be doing very targeted evangelism. That's a good thing. Or it could be an attempt at a one-world government, which kind of sketchy on that. The only one-world government I want is Jesus rule. It could be that this is a foolishness that allows our government and other governments to be corrupted. I don't know for sure. But the problem or confusion that seems to me and the the people putting this together, that it seems that they're using Jesus as their mascot for what they want to do in their agendas instead of just being Christians. And and it really depends on the individual involved with them whether or not they are doing God's will or their own will. I think that's the problem. It might depend on who you talk to. Who's involved? I want my the stuff I do and the stuff this church does to be very clear. I'm doing God's will, not my own agenda. 
See, we're supposed to be out in the world. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, we don't do our work for Jesus in secret. We don't do, we also don't do our good works or pray to be seen. We just do it so that God's will will be done. It's not so we can impress people. It's so that people will know God. It's not so that my will gets done. It's so God's will gets done. It was interesting uh, I was talking to some pastors and they were talking about how we were, we were talking together about how the role of a pastor in the community has has changed. Back years and years and years ago, everybody came to the pastor, even if they weren't religious, because the church and the pastor or priest was a center in the community. The pastor might have been one of the most educated people in the community. The pastor knew how to write. And read. And the pastor was connected with common people and also connected with higher up people. And so the pastor had a network. And, and we we're saying, you know, the church and pastors, priests aren't the center of the community anymore. So how do we make an impact? Because somebody can go on Google or go to a social worker and find out stuff. They don't need to ask me. And one of the things I realized that one of my most useful tools is still using my network for the benefit of others. It's there's a you'll see in your bulletin on the back there's something coming up first week in November. Um, Tubman, uh, the nonprofit that we partner with, they are screening the movie Harriet, which is a biography about Harriet Tubman. And I saw this uh, on online, a trailer for it, and I said, boy, this is cool. So I sent it to the CEO of Tubman. I said, did you see this trailer? She says, yeah, I just saw it like five minutes ago. And I said, we ought to like, I'll go to the movies and go see that together. And she thought that was a great idea. So I've been arranging it at the Marcus Theater, and a lot of people from Tubman are going to go. We're going to be able to go. They're sponsoring it, and, and I'm going to get a chance to speak and talk about how the Wesleyan Church was involved with the Underground Railroad. But here's the thing. I'm just using my network. I knew the manager of the movie theater. I knew the CEO of Tubman. And when we had our last board meeting at Tubman, there were some of the employees that worked there. One of the things they're going to do is pay for employees to go see this movie together. And they were thanking me so much for, for, the, for this opportunity to go see this movie. And I said, I'm not paying for it. It didn't matter. That I wasn't paying for it. The fact that I was just organizing it, that I used my network on their behalf, they thought that was cool. It's giving me a chance to witness to them. How do we use our networks for the kingdom of God? And how do we pray for our leaders? Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, 
First of all, then, I urge you that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. We need to pray that all, whether it's a government leader or a student or whoever, makes choices that follow God's will. Now, yes, that also means that if I have the opportunity to tell a government official or a student or a coworker or somebody in authority that they can have a transformed life through Jesus, yes, I do that. The Apostle Paul did that. He got all the way to, to the household of the emperor. And he kept sharing Jesus. He shared Jesus to King Agrippa. But what does he say in 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2? God's agenda is peace. And for people, God's agenda is peace for people and salvation for people. Not power for me or my political party. Peace and salvation for people. Looking back at Acts 1-8 again, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. That's saying that there's no person that God does not want to reach with salvation. Whether it's geography, or in this case, politically, whatever influence they might have. I just pray for the people I know. No personally or no of. I pray for the effectiveness of our missionaries. Because they're reaching people that I can't reach. If we're going to pray like Jesus, we pray for the Father's kingdom to arise. It starts in the hearts and it spreads to the whole world. And there's one more thing we can pray for if we're going to connect with God. We pray for a restored creation. It says, on earth as it is in heaven. Pray for a restored creation. Now, I want to, before we get into this, I want to explain there's, there's two kinds of ways of looking at God's will. There's God's moral will and God's determined will. We can look at those two different things. So, God's moral will. This is God's declaration of what is right and what is good. God says these things are just. These things are loving. But following God's moral will is the choice of conscience. Any being with conscience can choose to follow or not to follow God's moral will. People, if we understand the the fall of Satan correctly, even angels, they know God's moral will, but conscience can let us choose whether or not we're going to do it. On the other side is God's determined will. These are the things that God decrees, this is going to happen. No matter what anybody chooses over here, this stuff is going to happen. 
Whether or not there's obedience or disobedience, this will happen. Because the choice only belongs to God. These things will happen, and the only thing that really Matt determines with this is where are the people who make choices going to end up when this happens? Where are these people going to fit into this? And so what does God say will happen? Revelation 13.8 says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. So God has determined that there is a book of life and he's written the names of his people in there. That's going to happen. Ephesians 1.4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. God chose the church in Christ and he will make it holy. That will happen. Romans 8.29, those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. If we are followers of Christ, we will be made into the image of Christ. God says that will happen. So when Jesus says on earth as it is in heaven, what's he talking about here? Well, there's a couple of ways of looking at it. We have to ask ourselves, well, is God's perfect will always done in heaven? If it's not, then we need to pray for it to happen. See, like I said, if we understand the doctrine of Satan correctly, God's perfect moral will doesn't even always happen in heaven. Because angels rebelled. God has given all conscious beings in creation the choice to obey him or not. And so this way of looking at it pictures heaven as a place just like earth with conscious beings in addition to there being God. And it's saying, you know what? On earth and in heaven, we want God's will to be done. But there's also another way of looking at it, that heaven is the place where God's will is always done. Because it is from heaven where God's throne is that he is making his determined will happen. And so this way, instead of looking at the conscious beings that exist in heaven and on earth, we're just looking at God. And so this pictures heaven as a place where God's will is always carried out. And we want to make earth where these conscious beings are just like heaven is. Heaven is always doing God's will. We want earth to do God's will too. It's not an either or choice. It's actually a both and. They're both meant to be. Sometimes we make wrong choices. Just see a quick video here of some pictures. This It's called... If you look up on the internet, you had one job. Go ahead and play this. We have people who had just one job and they messed it up. 
They put a drain in, but they put the drain in higher than everything else. You just had one job. That's the, the fry lane instead of the fire lane. You had just one job. Plant a tree, not in the middle of the sidewalk. How am I going to park my handicapped car there? One job you had to put cheese on a hamburger. In the hamburger. Right turn only. <laughs> Into the curb. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even pronounce that. <laughs> Stop. Back to school. If you can't tell, those are knives. <laughs> and X is for violin. I thought that was appropriate for school starting. And five bananas. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> People make choices all the time. And sometimes we get it right and sometimes we get it wrong. There's sometimes there's a best way of doing things and and sometimes there's just like the way things have to get done. That's not always what we want. You know, it's you know, for me, I think about the work that we do around the church sometimes. It's not that I don't want to learn how to do new things or that I don't like to do certain tasks. But I wish I had the money just to pay professionals to do some stuff because then I could spend my time. We could all spend our time working on Great Commission stuff. I'd like to pay somebody else to pull weeds. It's not that I don't like doing yard work. I just... My time might be better spent spending time with people that don't know Jesus. But I did enjoy spending my time with Steve yesterday, pulling weeds and moving dirt. You know, I wouldn't mind if we still lived in a country that had Christianity as a dominant culture feature. That would make things easier for me. But we don't. Sin has messed up heaven and earth. We had one job, tend the earth. And Genesis 3 says we messed it up. Had one job. But there's a theme running through scripture. Psalm 22, 27 and 28. David writes, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. God rules over all the people making conscious decisions. Isaiah 2, 2 and 3. Now it will come about... In the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law of the Lord will go from Zion and the word of the Lord to Jerusalem. God will be ruling on earth and people will say, 
Let's go to God and find out what his moral will is so we can do it. Revelation 11.15 The seventh angel sounded and there was loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. The idea is not to pick, oh, is it, do we want people to make good choices and follow God or do we want God's determined will to be done? The idea is the kingdom of earth becomes the kingdom of heaven. It's the same thing. We pray for people to come to Christ and we pray for Christ to come back to us. We pray for a new heaven and a new earth, which are one and the same. I don't pray that I go to heaven. I pray that heaven comes to me. Just like in the beginning when God said, let there be. We pray like Jesus for the Father's kingdom to arise. There's some things that just can't be stopped. Over a hundred years ago, there was a bishop that pronounced from his pulpit and in a periodical that he edited that heavier than air flight was both impossible and contrary to the will of God. He said there will be no such thing as an airplane. That's basically what he's saying. The bishop was Bishop Wright. You probably know his sons, Orville and Wilbur Wright. There's some things that just can't be stopped. Two guys decided that their dad was wrong and they built an airplane. Two guys, two people can do a lot of stuff. Steve and I spent two and a half hours pulling weeds and moving dirt yesterday. And even though we didn't plant anything, the front of the church looks a lot better. What could two people praying for two and a half hours accomplish to change the life of this church? What could two people sharing Jesus with their friends for two and a half hours change? That's God's kingdom come. Let's pray. From Psalm 14. It's a fool who says in his heart, there's no God. They are corrupt. They do vile deeds. There is no one who does good. But the Lord looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there's anyone who is wise, anyone who seeks God the Father. But all have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Will the evildoers Never understand. There are people who consume others like they consume bread and do not call upon the Lord. But God is with those who are righteous. The Lord 
is the refuge of the oppressed and deliverance will come from Zion. The Lord restores the fortune of his people. He builds his kingdom and so we can be glad. Lord, today we live in a world like that where there is so much corruption, so much sin, so many people who do not follow after you. And yet we trust that your kingdom will come. Let us make your will ours. Would you stand as we pray the Lord's Prayer together? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. No, no. Stay standing. We're going to sing this song. Thank mm-hmm. you.